Things you're going to get different people for Christmas. And some people are hard to shop for, aren't they? Some people have just about everything that they need. And I'm getting to a place in my life where I don't really want a whole lot. And I uh, had one of those moments the other day where I realized that I am indeed getting, uh, getting further down the hill that I crossed over at 40. When my wife was asking what I needed, and I said, well, I don't need a whole lot, you know. You can give me some socks or something like that. And I said, oh, goodness. And there it is. When you start asking for socks, you know you're getting old. Uh, but I'm thankful, Lord, the Lord's been good and, and don't really need a whole lot in my life. But some people are, are hard to shop for. You don't know what they like. It's hard to get them something that they will enjoy. Can I tell you something this year? God's not hard to shop for. You want to know what you could give God this year? It's exactly what she just sang about. Just give God you. That's what he wants. By the way, that's, that's why he sent Jesus to die. It was for you. You see, God wanted to have that relationship with you restored, and he sent his son. It was for you. For God so loved the world, you could put your name right in there. That's what God wants this year. God wants you, and I pray if you're lost here this morning that you'll trust Christ as your Savior. Give yourself to him, and if you're saved this morning, I pray with all of my heart that you'll get to a place where you'll surrender over yourself and your will and your way to God. There's nothing greater we can give him right now. Give ourselves to be used of him, and I promise you it's a gift that he will love, and it's a gift that he will use. What a blessing it is to be used of God. A lot of people wonder why they haven't been used of God yet. Well, the question is, have you given yourself to God to be used? You know, I believe God desires that from us this morning. Good singing this morning. I think it's the first time that I actually matched some of the people that were on the platform. Usually I get it wrong, you know. They'll be in reds and I'll be in green or they'll be in green and I'll be in red. Today I got it right, got the memo right and kind of feels good to be in the in crowd, amen, if the choir's the in crowd. Well, they're doing such a good job. Be sure to encourage them. Thank them for all their effort. They were up here last night, I don't know, three, four hours uh, preparing for tonight. I want to invite you back for that. It'll be mostly singing tonight. Amen? Yeah, that means less preaching if that, uh, you know, if that scratches your carnal back there for a minute. It'll be less preaching. Uh, but you come out and support them tonight. They've been working real hard and just looking, uh, looking forward to getting together tonight and, and hearing what the Lord uses through that. Hebrews chapter 13. You'll go ahead and turn there this morning. Hebrews chapter number 13 told uh, Brother Michael a while ago, I look out during the first congregation the last few weeks and notice a hole out there, here or there, some people missing, and I'm like, I wonder where so-and-so's at, and then after the choir goes down, folks are all filling up the holes and realize our choir is growing, and it's exciting to be able to see how God wants to use them, and uh, looking forward to tonight and hearing uh, how hard they've been practicing. I, I know they've been putting a lot of work into it. Hebrews chapter 13, if you're there, let's stand together this morning. As we continue the series, we started last week building up toward Christmas and how exciting that this year Christmas is on a Sunday. <clears throat> Nothing like being in our Father's house on Christmas. Amen. Looking forward to that. We'll have our services at 11 and 4 on that day, just in case you needed to know that. Hebrews chapter number 13, I'm going to read two verses today. Uh, look down, if you will, to verse number 5, and we're going to read verse 6, and we'll pray and let you be seated. <clears throat> the Bible says, let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Let's pray. Lord, I do thank you this morning. Lord, what a blessing it's been to be here, just hearing the singing and then hear what we're singing about. And Lord, I thank you for the opportunity now that we have to open your word. Thank you for giving us a copy of that, that we could follow along, Lord, and hear what you have to say to us through your word and through your spirit. 
Lord, I pray right now that you take, Lord, the message you've given, and Lord, help me to preach it in a way pleasing to you. Uh, Lord, I pray you'd help me to have liberty to say what needs to be said in a way that it needs to be said. And Lord, I pray you'd help me not to get in the way today, but I pray your spirit would have free reign in my heart and then through the hearts of all of us here today. That, Lord, whatever your desire is for us, I pray that we'd know it and then we'd respond to it. Help nothing get in the way today of us doing your will, and I pray you'd be glorified through it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> if you recall, last week we went back and looked at the Great Commission, not normally a Christmas passage here that you'd look at. We're looking at the challenge and the commission that Christ was giving to his disciples before he left. And he was preparing them for the time that they would go forward in his will without him being physically present there. And I want you to imagine the humanity of those disciples. They were just like you and I. Although they had experienced a lot and done a lot with Christ, they were still humans. And I think we see that uh, in a lot of the lives of them. We, we see Thomas doubting. Uh, we see Peter fearful. We see they were humans just like you and I. And can you imagine knowing that Christ is about to leave physically? Uh, you know, there's just something about having him there uh, kind of as that security blanket that you had there present with you uh, during the times that they were going through with him, and now they're going to be there without him. And yet, in Matthew 28, we read 18, 19, and 20 last week, we read those precious words he gave them where he says, Lo, I am with you always. Meaning every step of the way, Christ says, look, even though I will not be here physically, I'm not going anywhere, I am with you always. Every step of the way, you'll not be without me. I'm going to be present with you as you move forward in my will, even though I am not here physically with you. Last week we read where the Bible says when he was born, he was going to be called Emmanuel, God with us. What a privilege that our God, unlike any other God, put on human flesh to come down and be with us. And he wants us to know that even though that Christ ascended before he ever left, he left us that comfort that he would never leave us or forsake us. And that's why our series is Emmanuel, God Still With Us. I think if there was ever a time that we needed some encouraging, it's right now in 2022 with so much going on in the world for God's people to realize God's still with us. We do. We act like God's died. We really do. We act like it in our countenance. We act like it in our conversation. We act like it in, in, in what we have to say to each other. We're doom and gloom and down and out. I, look, I know the economy's bad and gas prices are high. I get it, okay? I, I told my wife, I, I don't notice sticker shock a whole lot because I don't grocery shop. Uh, but yesterday, I, I got a hankering to bake something. Uh, I don't normally get to cook a lot around the house, but when she was at choir practice, the kitchen was mine. And I thought, why not? You know, I got three hours just to do whatever it is that I want to do. And so I went in there, and I found a recipe for an orange cake. I thought, boy, that just sounds good. And we had all of these satsumas someone had brought us, and I wanted to put them in the cake. And I needed some sweetened condensed milk. And so I decided to go to Dollar General, you know. It's kind of like a little Walmart. And drove down there, and they had some sweetened condensed milk. And last time I bought it, it was like 99 cents, you know. It's just a little sawed-off kind of a can, not a whole lot in there. And yesterday I looked at it, it was $3.59 for a, a little can of sweetened condensed milk. And, you know, all of a sudden I'm thinking, what's this world coming to with a man trying to bake a cake, can't even get sweetened condensed milk without you selling a kidney or something? It's amazing how all of a sudden the circumstances just make us feel down and out and doom and gloom, just like I think the disciples probably were tempted to feel. What? 
We've got to go on and, and reach the world. Verse 19, go you into all the world. You mean you want us to keep going even though you're not going to be here? He says, yeah, but don't worry. Lo, I'm with you always. I want you to know, Emmanuel, God's still with us. God hasn't gone anywhere. So therefore, the disciples would proceed as planned. Can I tell you, that's God's plans for us today. God wants us to proceed as planned. Why? Because he said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'm with you. Lo, I'm with you always, Emmanuel. God's still with us. Last week, we looked at three things in that passage of Scripture. We saw where he says, lo, I'm with you always. And in verse 18, he says, all power is given to me. So because we have the presence of God, watch this, we have his presence, he brings his power. That's exciting to hear, that God is with us and he still has all the power. I mean, I know we look up in Washington and we think, all that going on up there, there's some powerful people. We got those groups meeting around the world, plotting the direction of our, our entire globe. Can I tell you, that's no power compared to the power our God still has. And by the way, he's still with us. See, that's why we have no need to be down and out. He's still with us, and he brought his power. Folks, I'll tell you this one as a child of God, that encourages me. He hasn't gone anywhere. There's no need to live in doubt and disappointment. The power of God is still available. Amen. Reminds me of a story I, I read this years ago, and then I, I went back and looked it up uh, this week, uh, preparing for this morning. There was a vacuum salesman up in Tennessee. And I went to this house, and man, he started giving a great, a great pitch to the lady. I got this vacuum and so many horsepower, and it'll pick up this, that, and the other. You don't have to worry about germs or dog hair on the floor. It'll take everything up there. And matter of fact, he says, you see that pile of garbage right there? That dust and those dust bunnies and that hair on the floor? He says, if my vacuum won't pick that up, I'll pick it up with my mouth and eat it myself. She says, well, you might as well go get a fork and a knife because we don't have any electricity this far back in the woods. You see, the power wasn't available. It doesn't work if there's no power there. Can I tell you, for the child of God, look, don't be down and out. Well, look, the power of God's still there. Why? Because he's still here. Yeah. Emmanuel, God with us, lo, I'm with you always. Emmanuel, God's still with us, and his power's still here. And then we saw where his presence guides us in the plan. He says, go into all the world. Man, that's going to be scary. Don't worry. I'm going to guide you with my presence because, hey, the plan that I've given you, I'm going to walk every step of the way to fulfill it. And then we saw lastly, last week, where he says, I'm there with you even to the end of the world. Even to the end of the world. Oh, listen, what a thought. What a thought that our God, why, he didn't just say, I'm with you all. Well, he could have said that, but he knows his children. And we're going to start thinking, well, what about... Well, what about the economy goes bad or the wrong party gets elected into the office? What about all that? He said all the way, but, but he says, to eliminate all the buts, I'm with you to the end of the world. Case closed. That shows you the commitment of our God. He's committed to us to the end of this thing. There's no need to doubt, worry, or fear. We have the presence of God. Emmanuel, God is still with us, but wait, there's more. Don't you love that guy on the TV? Do you know what, the, what more is going to be? All right, I think we know by now they're going to double the offer with free shipping. It's always that, you know. Or now they say, but wait, there's more. We'll double the offer for a fee. Well, you need to find out what that fee is, you know. It could be $5,000. There's something more God wants us to know about his presence today. How should Emmanuel, God still with us, encourage us today? Well, look down, if you will, to verse number 7. Uh, we're going to see some things that comfort. I'm sorry, verse number 5. See some things that comfort us this morning. 
and I believe going to encourage us as we continue to this thought of Emmanuel. God's still with us. What does verse 5 say? It says, let your conversation be without covetousness. Kind of an interesting beginning to the verse that ends the way it does. Be content with such things as ye have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now we notice the promise is repeated there. He says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Aren't you glad? You find that in the Old Testament, by the way, in Deuteronomy. He said it there. He said it in Matthew 28, and now he's saying it in Hebrews. I think he wants us to be reminded, hey, he's going nowhere. God has not died. His presence, his power, guiding us as the plan is still there. But wait a minute, there's even more that he tells us that he brings with his presence. Look down, you'll see a very important word. It's the word for. God brings something else to us in his presence, and it's that little word for you need to see. That word for means because. He says, because I am with you, there's something you need to be. Well, what is it? Well, he says it right there in verse 5. Be content with such things as you have, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The first thing I want to show you this morning, I hope this encourages you a little bit, the presence of God offers us contentment from God. The very presence of God offers us contentment from God. I mean, it spells it out in verse 5. He says, be content. Why? For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Oh, what a blessing this morning that because I have the presence of God and because God's not dead, God hasn't gone anywhere, as his child, I can be content in the world that I'm living in. Now, folks, I know we're thinking, well, if the gas prices just get right, and if, if condensed milk would just come down, uh, you know, and if the news would just get happier, I could be content. No, the Bible says you can be content, and I can be content. Why? Because God is still with us. He says, remember, I said I'd never leave you nor forsake you. That's where our contentment should come from this morning. You know, I love to travel. I really do. And uh, as a child, mom and dad, they, they took us a lot of places. We got to see different parts of the country growing up. And now, uh, now we take our daughter. We travel a little bit, see different parts of the country. And I, I love to go and see all that our country has to offer. We have a beautiful country, okay? We might be messed up in a lot of ways, but we have a beautiful country from the Grand Canyon to the Redwoods. And you get up in the Northeast, well, the leaves change. Just a beautiful country. And I love to travel. But I was startled the other day when I read this article about how many people people actually travel around our country just to see what we have to offer. Here was the statistic that I got. Only 28% of Americans will ever see the Grand Canyon. How sad. Look, you know it's more than a big hole in the ground. All right? I know we're from Mississippi, and we're thinking, well, I've seen the Red Bluffs down there in Columbia. So uh, I said, no, 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 no. It's way bigger than a gully, okay? It's, it's way bigger than a ditch. I mean, it's huge. You have to kind of squint just to see to the other side of that thing. And it's an amazing thing. Only 28% of Americans will ever see the Grand Canyon. Kind of a sad thought. Only 22% of Americans will venture to Washington, D.C. Uh, to see the National Mall. Oh, well, you're missing out. Boy, the memorials that are there and seeing the, the capital of our country. Only 22% of people will travel there. Only 33% of people will visit Niagara Falls. They just, they're never going to go. They're never going to venture out to find uh, what is there and what our country has to offer. And I kind of think contentment's a little bit of the same thing. I think contentment is one of God's greatest wonders that so many of God's people will never take the trip to discover what contentment is all about. 
All right? You're going to live a life. You're going to be doubtful. You're going to be fearful. You're always going to be worried. The sky, like Chicken Little, is going to fall on us. And you're never going to learn what contentment is all about. Contentment is the peace that comes from the fact when you accept that God is enough. All right? That's what contentment is. When you realize that as a child of God, I have God present with me, and the very presence of God is enough for me to be content regardless of what's going on about me. Hey, that's the real stuff right there. All right? Uh, That stuff will keep you going when times are bad. That contentment will keep you going when you don't feel good. That contentment will keep you going and will keep you in church when you don't like me. Amen, Brother Travis. Come on, help me out there, all right? That's what God's contentment is all about. That knowing that I have the presence of God in my life and that presence brought his power, I can be content. Why? Because I've got God. I've got God. I tell you, some of you are missing out here this morning because you look for your contentment and so many other things. But when you realize if you've got God, you've got all that you need to be content in this life, and he promised us, lo, I'm with you always. What did he say at the end of verse number three? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You see, the presence of God offers us contentment from God. I think that's why Paul, Philippians chapter four, verse 11 said this. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I want you to know, if you know a little bit about the apostle Paul's life, that's a mouthful. All that he went through, all the times he was run out of town. I mean, look, I, I, I tell you, I get my feelings hurt when folks don't smile while I'm preaching. He was beaten with rods. <laughs> he was shipwrecked. He was thrown in jail. I mean, all of these things happened to him, and he had contentment. How did he get there? Well, I believe the Apostle Paul knew something we didn't. I think he knew a close personal walk with the Lord, and he spent time in his presence. That's why he said this. Watch what he says. I know both how to be abased. I know how to abound. Abased is being brought low. Paul says, I'm content. You ever been brought low? Doesn't feel good. You ever been on a mountaintop? Man, that feels good. We want to live on the mountaintop. Paul says, whether I was up high or down low, I learned contentment. Listen to what he says. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Now watch this. The peace, that contentment, that peace that Paul had was not contingent upon his position. Now think about that for a moment. How often is your peace and your contentment based on your position? Everything's going good, so therefore I have peace in my life. That's not contentment. Paul says, I've learned in whatsoever state I am, whether I'm high or I'm low, whether I'm hungry, whether I'm full, I've learned to be content. Why? Because he's always got God. You see how that works? Look, by the way, you can't lose him. Man, if we'd have lost him, I'd have lost him. I hate to tell you this. I was bragging about it just the other day, and that's exactly what happens. When you brag, it's going to happen. I can't find my Mickey pen. I'm having to use this plain old dull pen in my pocket. I can't find it. Well, I lost it. I can't find it. If you find it, it's a $10 reward, okay? $10 reward, all right? If I could lose God, I'd have lost him a long time ago. But I can't lose him because the Bible says he'll never leave me nor forsake me and that he's with me all the way. So watch this. If my contentment comes from God and his presence, I should always be content because I can't lose him. Maybe the reason we're not content today is because we're looking for our contentment in other things. It's kind of sad this morning you think about for for too many of us, our peace 
is truly based on our position. Our contentment is based on our comfort and our faith is based on our finances. Can we back up and cover those three one more time? All right? Our peace is based on the position we have in life. I will have peace and contentment in my life as soon as I reach this plateau. No, your peace is in the wrong thing. Watch. Your contentment should not be based on your comfort. Paul says, what did he say? He says, even when I suffer need, I've learned to be content. Why? Watch. Because even when he's suffering need, he's suffering with God. Hey, if your contentment's in him, you're never going to lose him. You can always be content. Good times, bad times. Hey, your peace, your faith should not depend on your finances. I got $1,000 in the bank today, so therefore I'm going to have faith today. No, you ought to have faith because you're with God. He said he's never going to leave you, never going to forsake you. He says, I'm going to be with you all the way. Hey, it doesn't matter if the bank account's full, bank account's empty. You ought to have some contentment in your life. Why? Because God is still with us. The presence of God gives us what? The contentment of God. One of my favorite missionaries is Hudson Taylor. Boy, I started reading about him when I was a teenager. I encourage you young people, read about some great spiritual heroes. Hudson Taylor is one of them. He founded the China Inland Mission. And boy, he has so many good accounts of going through difficult times and having to trust God. And one day he noticed that the bank account was getting low and the fund that was there uh, that, that helped provide food for orphans and so many things to get the gospel out of the people in China. His wife came to him and says, well, what are you going to do? That's always scary when your wife comes and asks you that. What are you going to do? He says, well, I'm going to pray about it. So he went and he prayed, and his wife watched him over a few days. He would pray, and he'd get up, and he'd read his Bible. He'd stop, and then he'd pray some more, and he'd go back, and he'd read his Bible. And finally, one day, she couldn't stand anymore. She came to him, and she asked him, well, what have you come up with? Here was his direct quote. We have 27 cents in all the promises of God. What more does one need? We have 27 cents. And all the promises of God, what more does one need? Can I tell you where Hudson Taylor found his contentment? Look, 27 cents, I mean, it won't even buy you the label off a can of condensed milk today. That's not going to get you very far. And yet, how did he have such contentment and peace in his life? I'll tell you why. It's because he says we have 27 cents. Oh, and by the way, God's still with us. God hasn't abandoned us. Where God guides, God provides, and it's him who said that God's will done God's way will never lack God's supply. Folks, can I tell you something this morning? It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. So you don't know what I'm going through and who is sick in my family, and you don't know the struggles in my marriage, and you don't know the fits that my kids are giving me. I may not know that, but I know if you're a child of God, Emmanuel, God is still with you. Whatever you're going through, you're going through it with him. How do, you, how do you think Daniel had such peace down there in the lion's den that he went to sleep that night? Because he knew he wasn't alone. He knew that God was with him. Those three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace, where did they get such contentment? I'll tell you why. Because they knew God was with them. You see, God's presence brings God's contentment. We can have peace in knowing that God is with us every step of the way. John chapter 14. I, I want to read this for you. If you want to turn there, uh, you can follow along. That way you know that I'm not lying to you, you know. Sometimes I think you think I'm lying to you. Ask me after the service, did that really happen? I'm like, no, I lied to you behind the pulpit. John 14, <clears throat> verse 1. Now, I want you to watch how the context of this all goes together. Now, Christ is preparing for his betrayal. His disciples know what's about to go down. Listen to what verse 1 says. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house for many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. 
I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to pre- and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. What an exciting thought. He wants us to be with him. Verse 4, and whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Here comes Thomas. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. I kind of like the fact Thomas spoke up. Hey, okay, you're going away. Could you just give us some directions how to get there? All right? Because we don't want to get left behind. Amen? All right, watch what he says. Verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Watch this. Philip speaks up. Verse 8. I love the fact they're asking questions. Now look, if somebody's going off to, to a heavenly realm, you want to figure out how to get there, right? Philip saith unto him, verse 8, Lord, show us the Father. Now I love these next words. And it sufficeth us. Show us the Father. And it sufficeth us. Jesus answered unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father. Now watch what Philip said. Philip says, if you just show us the Father, it'll suffice us. Just show us the Father, it'll suffice us. Christ says to him, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Look, you have everything that you need. Philip and Thomas are worrying about moving forward. Jesus already said, let not your heart be troubled. Then Philip says, if we could just see the Father, he says, hey, don't worry. You've already got what you need. He said, you ought to be sufficed. Can I tell you this morning, you and I ought to be sufficed, okay? We ought to have peace and contentment in our life because we have everything we need to move forward until we see God. What is that? That's the presence of God. A.W. Tozer, I read a lot behind A.W. Tozer. Some good books that I have uh, in my office, great quotes. I write in them, write in them so many times over and again. He says, the man who has God for his treasure has all things in one. The man who has God for his treasure has all things in one. As a child of God this morning, can I tell you something? It's going to be okay. You say, how do you know that? Because God is still with us. He's not gone anywhere. He says, lo, I'm with you always. By the way, you think about people in the Bible like Job. Job had it all, lost it all, and was unfazed. No, I'm not saying he wasn't brokenhearted. I'm talking about his character did not change. What was Job doing before the, the fall? He was worshiping God, Job chapter 1, verse 1. Look at what he was doing. He was worshiping God. Job lost everything. What do we see Job doing after the fall? He's still worshiping God. Watch, watch. His contentment wasn't based on what he had. His contentment was based on the fact that he was with God and God was with him. You see, it didn't change who he was. The presence of God gave him the contentment of God. How do you know that? Verse 21, he said, naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Was he grieving? Yes. He lost 10 children. Was he grieving? Yeah. Watch this. He was grieving with God. I don't like to grieve. I don't like hurt. I don't like pain. I don't like my feelings to be hurt. I don't like bad news. I, you know, I'm just human. I don't like those things. And it's one thing going through times like that with God. But it's another thing going through times like that without God. Can I tell you, you can have contentment in your grief. You can have contentment in your suffering. When you realize I have the presence of God, and the presence of God brings the contentment of God. 
I don't think any of us have gone through what Job's going through, and yet we find him being content. Paul, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10, therefore I take pleasures in infirmities, in reproaches and necessities. You're thinking, well, Paul's gone through so much, he's lost his mind. He may have lost his mind, but he didn't lose his God. That's why he says, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He was content to suffer as long as he suffered with God. Folks, I don't know what you're going through and I don't know what you're going to go through. I don't know what we're going to go through together as this country. It doesn't look hopeful. But oh, there's contentment to be had in the life of the child of God when you realize we're going through those things with God. If you will, look real quick and I'll give you the second thing. Look at the end of verse 5. Here's what it all boils down to. The Bible says, for he has said. For he has said. Look, this is not hearsay. This is God reminding us, hey, be content Hey, have some peace in your life in spite of your storms. Have some peace in your life in spite of your grief. Why? I've not gone anywhere, and you have my word on it. That's what he said. For he hath said. This is not me telling you something that I heard from Grandma years ago. Nothing against you grandmas that are here today, okay? I hope you're an honest grandma. Uh, but there's a lot of things we repeat from grandma. You know, I, I don't know that they're all in the Bible, to be honest with you. What I'm telling you this morning is straight from the mouth of God. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The presence of God offers us the contentment of God. I love the words of the hymn. He's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. He promised he would never leave me. Can I tell you, believe it or not, this morning, the only thing you absolutely need is God. You'll find everything in him. You'll find everything in him. Look at the people who went through trials and suffering and times of confusion and doubt. They had God. They made it through. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He didn't die there. You know why he went through it? Because you go back to very verse 1, Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Can I tell you the valley of the shadow of death would be a frightening place without the shepherd? The valley of the shadow of death would be somewhere where I would have doubts and fears. But oh, thanks be to God, the Lord is my shepherd and he promised he'd never leave me nor forsake thee. The presence of God gives thee contentment from God. But then let's keep reading. Verse 5, let's go back to the beginning of it. Notice God includes something at the very beginning of verse 5 that we're going to have to deal with. He says, let your conversation be without covetousness. Now here's what God is doing. I mean... Boy, the Lord knows us well. He didn't just give us a command. He gave us what is going to try to rival that command. There's something that tries to rival contentment. Do you know what it is? I'll give you three guesses. The first two don't count, and it's in verse number five. It's covetousness. Now, here's what he's saying. Be assured. Be assured when God tells you to be something, Satan is going to offer you to be something else. Okay? When he tells you, hey, to be the light of the world, to be salt, I'll promise you, Satan has an alternative for what God wants you to be. God wants you to be content. All right? Now, what does Satan want you to be? Well, it's verse 5. That's why he says, let your conversation be without covetousness. When you look close, you see the alternative to contentment. It's covetousness. God's desire for his children is to come to this place where he is enough. He's enough. God, you're enough. 
That God, I'm content with you, your presence in my life, that is enough. But then here comes Satan, offers the alternative of covetousness. That's why the second thing I want you to see this morning is the presence of God overshadows the alternatives to God. The very presence of God overshadows the alternatives to God. Now look, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to read through this book just a few days and realize that from the dawn of sin's birth on this planet, from the time that Satan arrived here on this planet, he has specialized in offering alternatives to the people of God and the place of God. All right? (laughs) You don't have to be saved five minutes to get that one. That Satan's, look, his main scheme in life is to offer an alternative to God. By the way, what got him kicked out of heaven? He wanted to be the alternative to God. Well, it didn't work out too well for him. So he comes down here to mortal man and he says, okay, I'm going to try that trick on you. And man, he got somebody to bite right out of the gate. I know, Eve, that God said this, but hey, let me give you an alternative. She looked at that fruit and she desired it. You know what she did? She coveted it. It was the alternative for God. You look at Adam and Eve, it was the fruit. Look at the children of Israel. Do you know what it was? It was Egypt. God said this way, Satan says, but what about their back in Egypt? For David, it was Bathsheba. It was an alternative to where he was supposed to be. For Demas, it was loving this present world. They accepted Satan's alternative to God. That's why God says, verse 5, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now, folks, this is important this morning. The reason so many of us leave the presence of God and walking with God, he hasn't left us, but we leave being in his presence is Satan offers us an alternative to something that we desire. You see, it's hard to go after God and things at the same time. I'm going to prove it to you. Stick with me, all right? You say, well, you can't prove that. Well, I can, all right? Luke 12, 15, and he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. You know what he's telling them? Beware of alternatives. Beware of chasing after something. Look, it could be something you could hold. It could be something that you could attain in life. But be careful chasing after anything that leads you out of the presence of God. He will not leave you, but how often do we leave him? Is that what got the prodigal son? That's what got him. He was in the presence of his father, and all of a sudden he saw the far country. I just always pictured it with neon lights. I know they didn't have electricity, but I kind of figure all these neon lights. I kind of picture Reno. Oh, I've never been there before. Then he looks at it, and he's like, whoo, look at that. That looks good. But the far country took him out of the presence of the father. You see, it's hard to pursue things and pursue God at the same time. And I hate to tell you this. If your contentment lies in things, hear me out. You can lose them. You know why so many of us lose our contentment? Because our contentment was in something we can lose. Think about it. If your contentment is in things, watch this, your contentment can rot. That's horrible. All right? If your contentment is in things, your contentment can rust. That, hey, if your contentment is in things, your contentment can be stolen. I mean, I'm talking to so many people lately. Their cars got broken into. Their houses got broken into. And do you know why so many of us are down and out and depressed? It's because our contentment revolved around the things which we possessed. They're always an alternative to God. If our contentment's found in God, can I tell you, your contentment is one who never changes. 
The Bible says, I am the Lord, I change not. There is no shadow of turning with God. If our contentment is in him, watch this, no alternative is worth leaving his presence to pursue. You know, why do we not have contentment? That's exactly why. Now, I want to tell you this. There's nothing wrong with having things, all right? There's nothing. I have a lot of things. Matter of fact, my wife says I have too many things. Uh, you come in my office, it looks like a flea market in there in my office. I mean, it really does. Uh, one day I'm going to come in there, my wife's going to have those little stickers on it like with price tags selling all the junk in my office. They're priceless treasures, okay? I can't convince her of that. They're priceless treasures, you know, that I've accumulated along the way of life. But uh, you, you look at all the things that we have in life. There's nothing wrong with those. Watch if there are things God wanted you to have. Now, stick with me. I'm going to explain this to you. I hope this will make some sense to you this morning. When our life revolves around things and the pursuit of things, our contentment now lies in those things. And now we've left, we've walked away from God in order to have them. And then after we lose them, our contentment is gone. But wait a minute, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we have these uh, uh, newly minted disciples. And Christ is giving them their marching orders. And he's telling them, don't worry about where you're going to sleep. Don't worry what you're going to eat. Don't worry what you're going to wear. Don't worry about those things. He says, for those are things the Gentiles worried about. All right? By the way, take note of that. The Gentiles are worried about the materialistic. All right? He says, man, you got quiet on that one. Matthew 6, 33. Watch this. But seek ye. He says, your pursuit should be of me, not of those things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Watch this. And all these things. Things shall be added. Watch. There's nothing wrong with things. Just make sure there are things that God added. <laughs> All right? All right. There's nothing wrong with having things. If God blesses you with a lot of things, hey, put them on display like I do in my office, even if nobody else cares about them. There's nothing wrong with having things. Make sure there are things God's added. Because if you're not careful, you'll pursue things that God didn't want added to your life. And in that pursuit, you left the presence of God and walking with him. He didn't leave you. You walked away from him. Number one, the presence of God. Notice it gives us contentment from God. Number two, the presence of God overshadows the alternatives to God. You will not find anything that can take the place of God's presence in your life. You're the rich young ruler, Matthew chapter 19. Boy, we read about him. Came to Jesus, asked him how he could have eternal life. And Jesus asked him about how he had lived. And boy, he lies to the Lord. Tell, yeah, I've kept all the commandments from my childhood. Here's what Jesus tells him. Jesus said, Matthew 19, said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell thou that thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Now Christ knew very well he had not lived up to the commandments, and he's fixing to prove it to him. And come now and follow me. But watch this. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. You know what Christ just proved to him? He broke commandment one and commandment ten right there. His possessions came before God, and now commandment ten, he's coveting. He's showing him you're not everything you think you are. The possessions in your life, that's what your life revolves around. Watch this. The Bible says he went away. He had to choose between his things and his possessions and following after Christ, and he chose the things. Do you know why so many of us don't have contentment this morning? It's not because you don't have enough. You think it is, but it's not. It's because you don't have the presence of God in your life. Or at least this morning, you're not being attentive to the presence of God in your life. You think about covetousness. 
And you think about contentment in verse 5. Notice that they're mentioned back to back, covetous and contentment. Think about it this way. Covetousness is chasing after peace. Contentment is choosing to accept peace. Covetousness is when you chase after peace. I have known millionaires. I've even known a billionaire in my life. And look, nothing wrong with having it. If God adds it, hey, nothing wrong with that at all. But when you pursue after that and sacrifice the presence of God in your life, it's amazing how many of them never, ever find it. Never, ever find it. Why? Because they're chasing after it. Look, you can't chase contentment. You have to choose it. You can't chase it. You have to decide that what God has added to my life. I mean, there are times, I'll be honest with you, I'll sit on a deer stand. It's been a while. But I'll sit on a deer stand and, you know, I'll get text messages from my buddies. And, man, they're showing me the big deer that they kill. Man, it's so hard to rejoice with those that are rejoicing. I'm just being honest. I'm down here. You know, I kill a little three-point, and I got a picture with it. I'm posing with it like, yeah, you know, it's meat. My buddy over here, I'm like, Lord, he, he, he only go to church but once a week. Lord, he, I don't even know he has a Bible. He's never opened his Bible before. And after a while, I start coveting. Yeah, Man, why did he kill that? All of a sudden, watch this. I'm accusing God of not meeting my needs with what I needed. You see, I've decided I, I needed. God, God, you didn't give me what I think I needed. God says, because I know you didn't need it. Because it's as sure as I gave it to you, you would take the glory for it. Amen? That's what happens, isn't it? Man, God blesses us with something. Also, we get uplifted with pride, and God has to strike us down like he did with Herod. And we'll be eaten of worms. or eat up with pride because we take credit for what God did. When God says, no, I gave you exactly what you needed. There are times, you know, I, you wonder why you, you can't have a good day every once in a while. Lord, why did you send that person in my life today? They just ruined my day, and, you know, that person broke my heart, and that person discouraged my spirit. And I just have to say, okay, Lord, evidently I needed that. You know, evidently I have a bad pride problem in my life, and God sends people to help keep me humble. Amen? Why? Because I need humility. Evidently I need that. Watch this. I can be content with that. All right, Lord, I, I know that I'm in your will and I'm doing what you'd have me to do and I'm trying to live the way you'd have me to live. And if, if God, you added this to my life today, I can be content with that. I'm not going to choose the alternative of ease and comfort. I want what you say that I needed in my life. And sometimes we do need sorrow. We do need grief. The presence of God overshadows the alternatives to God. Dale Carnegie said this, success is getting what you want. Happiness is wanting what you get. Kind of sounds scriptural. Success is getting what you want. Happiness is wanting what you get. I dare say this morning, that's what God says contentment is. Is that we're saved in the will of God, walking according to the word of God. It's best we know how. Something comes our way that, Lord, I'm going to be content with what you gave me. Lord, I didn't like the thorn that you gave me. Hey, by the way, didn't Paul learn a lot about the grace of God through the thorn? He says, no, you need that thorn, Paul, because you learn more about my grace. And learning more about my grace is way better than the alternative of not having the thorn. That's deep right there. When you get to the place where you're thankful for what God sends, even when you don't like what God sends. That's what contentment is. Where you choose being in the presence of God, having contentment over the alternative of what? Coveting something God said we didn't need. I'm afraid this morning that American Christians, we have embarked on a fruitless journey on the myth of more. I got to have more to be happy. 
I'll promise you that is a fruitless, dangerous road to go down. Young person, never get on, get on that habit. I got to have more. Because I promise you, once you get more, you're going to need more. And you're going to need more. After a while, the credit card's racked up, and, you know, you're having to sell a kidney to buy some condensed milk. It's just so bad. You could tell that really bothered me the other day. More is kind of like the Bigfoot, okay? I, I don't watch the Bigfoot shows, but I see them advertised on television. What gets me is this, and if you, if you believe in the Bigfoot, I, I want to. I really do. I want to believe in Bigfoot. But, you know, after a while, you see the advertisement on television, season 18, looking for Bigfoot. And you know the producers of those shows have got to be sitting back there thinking, I wonder how many years we can keep this going. We heard a knock on a tree. Oh, yeah, that was it. No, no, that was the wind blowing. You know, we heard this growl. That was the neighborhood cat. That's all that was. They just keep it going. You know, all these shows were, and you see the, you know, the climax on the, on the uh, advertisements, you know, breaking development. I'll tell you what the breaking development is. We didn't find anything this week either. That's what the breaking development is. And we just keep looking for something we're never going to find. That's what more is. Can I tell you, if you've got God, you've got more than you would ever need. I promise you that. You already got it in the presence of God. That's why he says, be content. Don't covet. Because if you got me, you got everything you're ever going to need. You'll find it in him. But we get to this place in our life where we believe that lie of the devil of having more is going to bring more joy. And that's not the truth. If you can't find joy in the presence of God, something's bad wrong. Turn to your right just a little bit. I'll give you this and I'll give you the last point. Turn to your right just a few pages to James. Aren't you glad I gave you directions? Because if you didn't know where James was, you'd have been flipping through the Old Testament. I just told you a couple pages to your right. James chapter 4, I want to show you something. Now keep covetousness and contentment in mind, okay? James 4, 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? That's a question mark. Where the wars and fightings come from? Tension. Come they not hence even of your lust that you war in your members? So lust, that's that desire chasing after more. Verse 2, you lust and have not. That's the Bigfoot. You're looking, but you don't find him. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. No luck there. You fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. You're, you're looking in the wrong place. Notice he says, you're going to doing all of this looking uh, when you should be asking. Verse 3, by the way, I wonder who you're talking about asking. Verse 3, ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. It's not what God wants for you, it's what you want for you. Keep reading. The Bible says ye adulterers and adulteresses. Wait a minute, what does that mean? It means you're cheating. Who are you cheating on? Well, the one you're supposed to be asking, that's God. Know you not that the friendship with the world is enmity with God? It almost sounds like he says you can't pursue things in God at the same time. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy, but he giveth more grace? I'm glad for that. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Watch this, verse 7, submit yourselves, therefore, to God, not things, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Verse 8, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Verse 1, all the way down through verse number 4, says you've gone on your own pursuits and come up with a goose egg. 
You look, you try, you work, nothing, 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 nothing. What's the answer? Verse 7 and 8, the presence of God. Draw nigh unto God. Get in his presence. Realize it's in him that he has everything we're ever going to need. Because I promise you, that myth of more is just that. It's a myth. You're going to have more. You're going to go find more, need more, need more. And after a while, you've spent your lifetime ignoring what you had the whole time. And that was the presence of God. There was a buddy one day walking down the street and saw his friend sitting on a park bench. Boy, he had his head in his hands and he's looking down and just down and out. Kind of, you know, just looked like he was a little bit blue. And friend came up, as a good friend would, and says, hey, what's the matter? You look kind of down. He says, well, it's a long story. He says, well, listen, I'm willing to hear it out. He says, three weeks ago, my aunt died in, uh, in Canada and left me a quarter of a million dollars. He's like, wow, that wouldn't make me sad. Maybe when you get the tax bill in, it'd make you sad. But, you know, for the least time, he had a quarter of a million dollars. And he says, well, okay. He said, what does that have to do with you being sad? He says, well, two weeks ago, I had a cousin who died in Europe, and they left me $4 million. He's like, wow, you know, I still don't get why you look the way you look. You got a quarter of a million, you got $4 million. He said, what does that have to do? He said, well, last week, my brother died, and my brother left me $500,000. He says, I, I, I'm just having trouble connecting here. You know, you had all this money, and, and you look the way you do. He says, why are you down and out? He says, well, I hadn't gotten anything this week. Got some three weeks ago, some two weeks ago, something a week ago, but I haven't got anything this week. And, oh, that's where we are with God. God's already given us so much just in his presence alone. And we sit around, and, man, we're so mad because we're driving a car that's three years old. Look around, man, I mean, you know, I only have one can of sweetened condensed milk in my house. That guy's got two cans of sweetened condensed milk. He's a millionaire. Can I tell you, if you've got the presence of God in your life, you've got more than you're ever going to need. Everything's there. That's why he says, hey, don't be covetous. Don't look around and say, what I don't have. What you do have is far greater than anything you could ever want on this planet. And by the way, it's eternal. You're not going to lose him. Hey, you can't take the sweetened condensed milk to heaven. You're going to probably put some of my, if I die soon, put some in my casket, all right? Maybe we could uh, give a good send-off with that. What does the presence of God do? Go back to Hebrews 13, and I'll give you the last thing. He says, I'll never leave you, forsake you, therefore be content. You got what you need. You got more than you need. Beware, he says in verse 5, hey, beware this temptation of the alternatives of covetousness. The presence of God ought to overshadow the alternatives to God. Finally, he gives us a result in verse number 6, and we'll give you this. And we'll be done. He begins verse 6 with the word so. He says, I want to show you the outcome, the benefit of this. He says, you need to realize I will never leave you. Therefore, you be content. Don't be covetousness. So why? Well, verse 6 says, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. He says, you need to learn to be content with me. Now, look. Does God give us more than just him? Oh, yes. If you're in this building this morning, you have health. I can give you a grocery list of people who would love to be in this building this morning. Went to visit the nursing home the other day, a couple of our ladies. I mean, literally begging, can you find a way that I could come to church one more time? Just one more time. We're trying to work it out logistically to get some of them here. All they want is one more time. I want to come to church. If you're here, you have good health. Not only do you have the presence of God, he's added good health. And if you're listening to me, whether you enjoy it or not, you have hearing. 
if you're looking at me, I'm sorry, but you have seen, you know, 15, 20 minutes, we're going to get out of here. You're going to go to Popeye's, get some chicken. You're going to have tasting. Oh, I mean, the Lord has been so good to us. You're going to get in a car, most likely, and drive home. You're not going to walk home. Man, not only do we have the presence of God, we have so much more that God has given us. Hey, don't be covetousness. Hey, we look around and we see somebody else's lifestyle. And I would be happy if, hey, if your happiness is on the other side of an if, you're missing out on the blessings of the presence of God. I'll be happy if that preacher would just shut up. I'd be happy if he would just act more this way. I'd be happy if the person sitting next to me would wake up. Hey, I'd be, no, no, you ought to just be happy that you have the presence of God in your life. Emmanuel, God still with us. What are we worried about? Why are we worried about? What are we, what are we, why are we doubting this morning? Finally, notice when we realize that and we see God be all that we ever needed him to be, the Bible says we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. You see, number three this morning, the presence of God leads to honoring God. The presence of God leads to honoring God. Can I tell you what's sad? It's very sad today that in America... We have born-again Christians who are living a life that says their God is not with them anymore. Our attitude says that God has left us high and dry. Our Facebook post says that he's not been with us all the way. Our conversations and corners tell us and tell other people that God has abandoned his children and that he very well may be dead. That's what our conversation says. But our conversation should be this, that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man do unto me. Hey, after the election, whether it went your way or not your way, you still can be content because the Lord is your helper, and I'm not going to fear what man does unto me. That's what contentment will do for you. When you get to the place where no matter what's going on around you, it can't overshadow what's in you. I have the dwelling of the Holy Spirit of God in my life. You're saved, so do you. You ought to give God honor and glory for that rather than gripe and complain about what's going wrong in our world. Emmanuel's still with us. Psalms 18, verse 49. Therefore will I give thanks unto the Lord, unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. Can I tell you what the heathen need? You're thinking, I'll tell you what they need. No, can I tell you what they need? Now, if the heathen's your child, maybe it is a whooping, okay? But uh, what the heathen need is to hear God's people boldly say, The Lord is my helper. What? What? I've been to the grocery store lately. You've been to the gas pump lately. I mean, why are you so content and at ease and have peace in your life? There it is. There it is. That's the opportunity for you to say, the Lord is my helper. I mean, hey, did you get a government benefit check in the mail or something like that? Is that why you're so happy? Oh, no, not the government's my helper. The Lord is my helper. Hey, did you go to the doctor and get some kind of a secret vitamin? Is that what's helping you get through this? No, the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. Hey, matter of fact, maybe that coworker you've been trying to win to Christ would want to come to Christ if he saw what Christ did in your life. Maybe if he just saw you boldly say, boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. The key part of verse 49 is when he says, Psalms 18, 49, Therefore I will give thanks unto, the Lord, unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen. Among the heathen. I'm here to tell you something today that I'm not perfect. I don't have this contentment thing down pat either. But, oh, I know that the Lord is my helper. And that he is already everything I'm going to need. 
I don't know what I'm going to face tomorrow. I don't know what you're going to face tomorrow, next week, next year, next election. I don't know. But I do know that everything that I need to be content, I can find in my God. What did he say? Go back to verse 5 and we'll close. Let your conversation, that's your lifestyle, be without covetousness. Don't act like a kid whose parents aren't taking care of them, whose father hasn't taken care of us. Be content with such things as you have. We're always looking for the, the greener grass. And we just hop around in life looking for greener grass, greener grass. You know, somebody said once the grass is greener on the other side of the fence because that's where the septic tank is at. Some of you are like, what is the septic tank? Ask the one who's laughing. They'll tell you. Can I tell you this morning? The contentment of God overshadows any alternative that Satan's giving you to walk away from him. Just being content that God's enough. What a liberating day in your life when you decide God's going to be enough. You know, we have so many reasons that, well, you know, I get mad and this person hurt my feelings and all that. And we're like, I'm just going to quit on God. Is God not bigger than that? Is God not bigger than that? It's amazing that the, the presence of a person would overshadow the presence of a God or the presence of a problem. Can I tell you, the presence of the problems around you are minute compared to the presence of the God that's in you? Emmanuel, God is still with us. Let your heart... Let not your heart be troubled. Hey, let's proceed on course. Let's do the plan. We've got the power. We've got his presence. Now, as the people of God, let's move forward and be content. Hey, no matter what goes on around us, let's be content. Let's not covet. Why? Because this world needs to hear some Christians boldly say, it's the Lord that's our help. The Lord's our help. Now, if you're saved here this morning, that's for you. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Oh, what a privilege you have this morning to come into the presence of God. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's, he's calling. He's drawing. He wants you, just like he called to me, he wants you to be in his presence. That's why he sent Jesus to die. That's what this holiday is all about. Have you ever trusted Christ as your personal Savior? If not, this morning, you can receive him and have a home in heaven and know for sure that no matter what comes your way, you can be content in your Let's stand together this morning. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed.